welcome to the conference call. I will now turn you over to your host, Olga Byrne. Great. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Olga Byrne, and I'm a senior associate with Human Rights First in New York. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. Human Rights First is very pleased to be hosting this conference call today. I'd like to start by thanking the three members of our panel uh, who are here to discuss family detention, um, and in particular at the Burke's Family Detention Facility in Pennsylvania at this very pivotal moment. So we have with us here today a mother from Latin America who was recently detained at Burke's with her six-year-old daughter. For her safety, we are going to be using a pseudonym, so we'd like everyone to refer to her as Daniela on this call. Next, we'll have Dr. Bernard Dreyer, the President-Elect of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And following Dr. Dreyer, Dr. Alan Shapiro, who is Assistant Clinical Professor of Pediatrics at Montefiore Medical Center and Albert Einstein College of Medicine, and the Senior Medical Director for Community Pediatric Programs of the Children's Hospital at Montefiore and the Children's Health Fund. I'm going to start by giving a very brief background of family detention and where we are today, and finally, our recent uh, visits to the Burke's Detention uh, Center and the report that we've issued on that. As I'm sure many of you know, in June 2014, thousands of women and children crossed the U.S.-Mexico border seeking safety and the opportunity to have their claim for asylum fairly assessed. Instead, what they found is they were promptly put into detention centers as part of the Obama administration's effort to send a message to others who might wish to seek safety in America. The message they wanted to send was, don't come here. One year later, in June 2015, Secretary of Homeland Security Jay Johnson announced a series of reforms, and these included measures to reduce the length of time families were held in immigration detention. In late July, just about a month ago, the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California issued an order finding that the government's family detention policy violated the Flores Settlement Agreement. That settlement agreement articulates the legal standards for the detention, release, and treatment of children by the immigration authorities. The administration's response, which it filed just a couple of weeks ago, made clear that DHS still wishes to use immigration detention to quote-unquote disincentivize or deter families from seeking protection in the United States. That response, as well as the plaintiff's response to that, is now under consideration for the, from the judge, and a final ruling in the case is expected very soon. Over the last few months, including just last week, Human Rights First staff visited the Berks Family Detention Center, which is formerly known as the Berks County Residential Center in Leesport, Pennsylvania. And we met with asylum seekers, including parents and children, who've been held at the facility. Some of the families we met with were held for many months and even a year, and some had been there for a period of about two to six weeks. We saw that children and families at Berks expressed a lot of anxiety over their loss of liberty. They said they didn't feel they should be incarcerated or imprisoned since they hadn't committed any crime or any act of delinquency. We also saw that despite the June Homeland Security reforms, families encountered significant delays in their immigration proceedings. They lacked access to legal counsel, and they continued to face obstacles and delays to release due to bonds that were set far too high for them to afford. During our visit to Burks last week, we were accompanied by Dr. Dreyer and Dr. Shapiro, who were on the call, as well as some others, and we met with families who had been at Burks for periods ranging from two to six weeks. 
we saw that notwithstanding that time period, which is less than the time that families were held in detention before the DHS reforms, it was clear that children and their parents are still suffering symptoms of mental health problems. We issued a report yesterday on family detention at Berks after speaking with families there, as well as in light of the work that Human Rights First has done in Dili, Artesia, and Karn. And we recommend that the administration end its policy of family detention in line with the court's order in Flores and discontinue sending families to Berks or any other facilities. To the extent that families might need, or certain, certain people might need additional appearance support, we recommend the government refer families to community-based programs which have been proven successful and are much less costly than detention. So at this moment, I'd like to pass the line to Daniela. Um, I'd like to uh, mention that we will have an interpreter. So after a, a sentence or two, Daniela will pause and we'll have interpretation. Entonces, eh, en este momento, Daniela, voy a pasar la línea a usted. Okay. Thank you. Daniela. Sí. Daniela, en cualquier momento cuando quiere empezar con, con su parte. Okay, yo llegué a pedir asilo a Estados Unidos. Fui llevada a un centro de detención de mujeres por 20 días donde no supe nada de mi hija. Luego me la entregaron y me llevaron a ver. Daniela, por favor, perdón, no puedo escucharte bien. ¿Puede, puede hablar directamente al teléfono? Llegué a pedir asilo a Estados Unidos. Fui llevada a un centro de detención de mujeres por 20 días, donde no supe nada de mi hija, y luego me la entregaron y me llevaron a Berks. I came to the United States and I asked for detention. I was detained for 20 days and then after with um, Border Patrol, and then I went to, I was reunited with my daughter at Berks. Cuando llegué... Nunca me imaginé que en Estados Unidos hubiese centros de detención, prisiones, donde tuvieran a los niños y a las madres detenidas. I never imagined that in the United States they would have these detention centers where they incarcerated um, children and their mothers. Mi hija tuvo una infección intestinal debido a la comida que dan en Berks. My daughter had an intestinal infection that, from the food that they gave her at Berks. Tuvo una fiebre alta y me la suministraron agua. Perdón, repite por favor. Tuvo una fiebre muy alta y me le suministraron agua. They, she had a very, very high fever and they only gave her water. Mi hijo intentó convulsionar por la fiebre. She started to have convulsions because of the fever. Y los staff se asustaron y me llevaron inmediatamente a un hospital cercano. When this, when this started, they sent her, they sent us to a nearby hospital. Cuando llegamos al hospital, le recetaron paracematol para bajar la fiebre. When, when we went to the hospital, they gave, they prescribed her paracematol for the fever. Y otro medicamento para la infección. And another medication for the infection. Cuando llegué a ver, me quitaron la receta y me dijeron que no era necesario suministrar ese medicamento. When I got back to Berks, they took away their prescriptions and said that these prescriptions were not necessary. Mi hija no comía, solo lloraba todo el tiempo debido al encierro. My daughter didn't eat and only cr just cried all the time while we were there. Le generó estrés, es, le generó estrés el estar eh, en este lugar. 
Es frustrante no poder explicar a tu hijo el por qué no podemos salir de allí. Empezó a no comer. Además de que la empezó a no comer. Además de que la comida no era saludable. She started to eat, but the food wasn't healthy. Hamburguesa o hot dog cuatro o cinco veces por semana no es agradable para un niño. Hamburgers and hot dogs four to five times a week isn't healthy for a child. Mi hija llegó a bajar casi 18 libras. My six-year-old child lost eight, eight pounds. ¿Ocho libras o kilogramos? 18 libras. Uh, 18 libras, I'm sorry. She lost 18 pounds. La llevé al psicólogo del centro de detención y la niña pintaba casas sin puertas y ventanas con rejas. I took her to the psychologist at this place and give me one second, sorry. La, la psicóloga estaba en un cuarto sin puerta y rejas. La niña pintaba casas, uh -huh. la casa donde estábamos sin puerta okay. y ventanas con rejas. I took her to the psychologist and my daughter painted houses or drew houses with no doors and bars in bars on the windows. Cuando tengo entendido que cuando un niño pinta una casa sin puertas sin seguridad y ventanas con rejas estaba mostrando que se sentía encerrada. I, I understand that when a child draws a house without doors and with bars on the windows that they feel very insecure. Dije mi preocupación al psicólogo y él decía que, que el niño se veía bien y que todo su comportamiento era normal. Se salió de mis manos el no poder cuidar a mi hijo. El no poderle suministrar medicamentos. I couldn't give her the medicines. O darle su comida favorita para que no baje de peso. Mi hijo solo quería dormir todo el tiempo. Eso para mí, eso para mi hijo solo quería dormir todo el tiempo. Eso para mi concepto era depresión. For me, this is a symptom of depression. Los niños son inocentes de todo un proceso de asilo en Estados Unidos. De nuevo, por favor. Los niños son inocentes de todo un proceso de asilo en Estados Unidos. Perdón, no entiendo la primera parte de lo que Los niños son inocentes. Ah, the kids are innocent. De todo un proceso de asilo aquí en Estados Unidos. The kids are innocent of this entire asylum process of the U.S. Cuando vine a este país nunca me imaginé que hubiera detención para solicitar ayuda. When I came to this country, I never imagined that there had been detention when I came requesting help. No lo hay en países subdesarrollados. No hay. No hay detención en países subdesarrollados. There are in subdesarrollados. There isn't detention like this in underdeveloped countries. Cuando ya venimos con amenazas de muerte, problemas psicológicos, 
Terminar presos es bastante deprimente. Y esta tristeza e impotencia de no poder hacer nada es transmitida a nuestros hijos. Es una situación que está oculta para el mundo. This is a situation that's hidden from the world. Siendo un país potencia mundial con muchas oportunidades. Especially in a country that's so powerful and full of opportunities. Eh, ya. Ya terminé. Okay. This is Olga. Daniela, thank you so much for speaking about your experience and for your extremely thoughtful comments and your reflections on that experience at detention at Berks. Um, Amy, would you like to interpret and then we'll move on? Sure. Gracias, Daniela, por decirnos todo lo que ha pasado en Berks y su experiencia en el centro de detención. Okay. At this moment, we will pass the line to Dr. Bernard Dreyer, the president-elect of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, thank you very much. I'm, I'm really uh, glad to be here talking today about this very significant problem. Um, I mean, Daniela described exactly the uh, condition of the families that we met with, when, uh, all the other families that we met with at Burke. And, uh, I think she said it poignantly and uh, clearly what the issues are. Uh, as you know, many of these children and mothers already are traumatized in their own country or by the trip. I think uh, Dr. Shapiro, who follows me, may focus on that more. And um, but when they're placed in detention, even for a few days, although they're never there for a few days yet, they face physical and mental health problems that often persist long after the detention is over. As, again, as you heard from Danielle. Uh, um, and I think we heard this from exactly what Daniela told you. We heard this from many, many other mothers and older children. Uh, one older child said uh, how sad she was that many of the mothers and children were crying when we talked to them. And uh, one of the older children, older meaning 10, 11, uh, said how sad she was. And she didn't understand why she needed to be in prison when she did, had, was not a criminal, didn't do anything wrong. As you also heard from Daniela, uh, the mothers are sort of out of lose control of, the, of, the, of their own children, meaning they can't provide the things that they ordinarily provide. And, and so this really disturbs the parent-child relationship. And uh, many of the children act out because they don't understand why their parents, who usually protect them, are not protecting them in this situation. And again, you heard that very clearly from Daniel. We know that, uh, when we, you know, so many of the parents related symptoms that the children's behavioral regressions, depression, anxiety, and increased aggression toward both parents and other children. And uh, many of the children had sleeping and eating problems. And uh, Daniela described weight loss, but we heard this from other families, other families as well. But the tension is associated with poor health outcomes, 
higher degrees of psychological distress and suicidality. Uh, we heard from several mothers and children uh, thoughts of suicide. And in, we know that for children, exposure to early adverse experiences, often referred to as toxic stress, has long-term consequences. Uh, and uh, this can have measurable effects on their development, on their educational uh, achievement, and really into adulthood on economic productivity, health status, and life. Um, I think, um, so, so this is really a sort of an unacceptable situation. I, you know, what I usually am quoted by saying is I don't think we, I think we can all agree that children should not be in prison. And in essence, that is what's happening here. Uh, even though Brooks is actually one of the uh, somewhat uh, nicer of the, of the detention centers, it still feels like prison, as you heard from Danielle. Um, as pediatricians, we believe that children are our most enduring and vulnerable legacy, and all children deserve optimal health and highest quality of health care. You heard the problems with health care from Danielle as well. And we really question whether the existing family detention facilities are capable of providing generally recognized standards of medical and mental health care for children. And my visit uh, to Burke's uh, and meeting with families there really confirmed these fears. Uh, and so as, as, a, as an organization of pediatricians, the AAP remains very concerned that continued detainment of any children and mothers in the existing facility puts them at great risk for physical and mental health problems and unnecessarily exposes children and mothers to additional psychological trauma over the trauma they've already been exposed to in their home country and on the trip here. Uh, we as an organization have expressed these concerns to uh, uh, Jay Johnson, Secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, and uh, we are actively um, trying to advocate for change in the way this is, these families are being treated. I'd be you know, glad to answer questions later about this, but uh, this just... Great, uh, thank you. Yeah. You know, just with, this just sort of summarizes the issues that you heard so very clearly and pointedly from Debbie. Thank you very much, Dr. Dreyer, um, for your comments. Um, as Dr. Dreyer said, we'll have questions for the end, and we have one more uh, panelist, Dr. Shapiro. I'll turn it over to you, Alan, right now. Hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, thanks for inviting me today. Um, uh, just to give you a little bit of my background, um, I was a co-founder of a program called Terra Firma, which uh, Terra Firma Health Care and Justice for Immigrant Children. Um, this is a program that has been taking care of unaccompanied immigrant children and accompanied immigrant children, um, uh, founded in 2013, and certainly in response to the uh, flood of uh, children coming across the border. Uh, we have medical, legal, and mental health services uh, all co-located co and integrated uh, in our community health center that's affiliated with Montefiore and the Children's Health Fund. Um, the goal of our program is to help normalize and acculture, uh, acculturate children, provide them a medical home, and um, help them to get legal relief. Um, and, you know, we've 
really seen the incredible effects of violence um, and the lack of protection of children uh, and families in their home countries, primarily from the Northern Triangle of Central America, including Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. Um, however, we have seen children from other parts of the world and other parts of Latin America as well. Um, the, the issue of family detention is very concerning to me and to all of us uh, on the line today. Um, uh, really in question is this concept of how the Flores settlement is being interpreted and um, that children um, who are crossing the border should not be put in detention and that is what the Flores settlement had agreed on, um, has stated. And it, we, we feel it's really disturbing that the federal government would interpret the uh, settlement to uh, exclude children coming with their parents um, and pre predominantly children coming with their mothers. Um, I think we really have to think about who these children and moms are, um, who these families are. Uh, they are, uh, by and large, by and far, escaping violence uh, in their community and escaping an environment where there is no protection for them. Um, compounded, of course, as you know, by abject poverty. However, it is really the violence that is sparking this large uh, influx of families and the lack of protection in their own countries. Um, so there's really nowhere for them to turn. Um, and you know, in many ways, like wars all over the world um, for the last century or more, um, they are doing what other people do uh, to, to, to save their children's lives and to save their own lives. And we as a country need to respond humanely to the fact that these families are coming seeking safe haven. And as, as Daniela mentioned on the call, when families come, they never expect to come to a country like ours, a country that they dream of for opportunities and safety, and be placed in detention without really a good sense of what's going to happen to them. And that's really what concerned us at the site visit at Berks, is that when we went to Berks, um, the families by and far told us, really every family that was in a group that we spoke to of 16 adults and two children, that they really had no idea what was happening to them. Uh, only two had contact with a lawyer. One had a lawyer but had no contact with her lawyer. And the rest had no contact at all with, 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 with lawyers. Or, and so really had no idea what was going to happen to them. This really led to a sense of desperation, a sense of hopelessness, and a, a sense of helplessness, um, really key symptoms of depression. And as was said by Dr. Dreyer and by Daniela, the, really the overwhelming sense that we got from the families was that um, they were uh, really suffering uh, and under a huge amount of stress in this situation and feeling that not only for themselves as an adults that they were completely powerless, but really did not know how to answer to their children's cry for help. And the fact that the children looked to the parents for safety and that the parents were really not able to, to, to you know, were, were, were powerless and helpless to helping them. 
Um, very poignantly, one uh, mother and child, a 12-year-old, was brought to me um, for because the mom was very concerned that the child stopped talking to her. And in talking to the child privately, she said that she was very angry with her mother because she didn't understand why they were in detention and was were not able to leave and why the mother was not able to do anything. I mean, and after explaining really, I think, more clearly what was happening and that, A, this was not going to last forever, and that, B, the mom, it wasn't in the mom's hands and that she and the mom really had to be partners and be strong in in in, in being in the detention center and waiting to hear um, about their case, um, that was able to, I think, comfort the child. And what was disturbing to me, really disturbing to me as a pediatrician working with immigrant families, was the lack of communication that the medical, and predominantly, primarily the mental health staff had with the families. We met with the medical and mental health staff. The medical staff um, for the most part, we heard uh, from the families that the medical care they were receiving was adequate and, and respectful. Um, it sounds like Daniela's history uh, story all, really maybe that we didn't hear of obviously all the cases. This is just in one point of time. And so obviously Daniela's case was an instance where, you know, I, I think there was a lot of concerns about the care she was receiving. But how, however, what was really disturbing to me was that the mental health staff um, really didn't seem to adequately screen uh, the parents and particularly the children for depression, for stress, for post-traumatic stress disorder, for adjustment disorders, and for anxiety. And when we asked what specific screening tools they used, they just said observation, which is really not adequate. Um, especially for children and families who have been traumatized in their own country and traumatized by a 3,000-mile journey to the U.S. border. And so the lack of formal screening was very concerning to me and obviously not picking up on issues that became very clear to us in the group we ran. Um, furthermore, when I asked specifically whether groups were run for families, for either the parents, the children, or all together, we were told very specifically that even though groups existed, no one wanted to participate, um, which maybe was understanding, except when we met with the families, our meeting automatically turned into a group uh, counseling session, and that certainly my ability to speak Spanish and as well as a few others in our group who were able to speak Spanish made a big difference. And we were told there was no Spanish-speaking mental health professionals available, and that group was run telephonically with an interpreter. And that really seems highly inadequate um, for a detention center that is made up predominantly of Spanish-speaking people, um, and not only people, but children, moms and children. And it seems uh, inconceivable to me that the Justice Department would allow this to happen, would allow an immigration detention center for children and families to exist without adequate mental health services and without adequate um, Spanish-speaking staff, bilingual staff, seems really, um, was clear to us that that was sorely missing from uh, the center and that families responded immediately to our uh, questions and really within a few minutes were crying, talking about their own desperation, which showed us that A, a group was possible and that it was really needed. 
Um, I think those are the main points I have, um, but certainly happy to answer any other questions um, you have. Um, I think, uh, let me just add, sorry, that one of the points that got brought up very frequently was the high uh, level of bonds that families had to pay to get out of detention. Um, and that, again, seemed like a really unnecessary barrier to, 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 to really innocent people coming to the United States for safe haven who absolutely do not pose a threat to our safety or the security of the United States. These are moms, for the most part, and children, or moms and dads and children. And so the fact that bonds would be put at such a high level, you know, we heard up to $5,000, which was really out of the question for families to pay, seemed like a really unnecessary barrier. So that was also something we were we were very concerned about, um, and hopefully that practice will come to an end, um, as well as the practice of detaining families in detention. And I'm sorry, lastly, that the fact that we saw such distress in families that were in the shelter system, in the detention system, for really a, um, for a relatively short period of time compared to how families were, really told us that, you know, you know um, that the processing time it took according to the Department of Just, uh, Department of Homeland Security, really it was not a, an adequate um, answer to um, the response to uh, Judge G's um, decision about, um, about how the settlement was being interpreted. In other words, to, to, to make this a little bit clearer, that the, 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 the home, Department of Homeland Security Secure, uh, security basically said that now they were changing how long families were going to stay in detention just to help process them um, and get them into, uh, into the community. Everyone we met with raised their hand when we asked them if they had somewhere to go, a family member to go to. So everyone we met with had someone to go to and could immediately go to them. And that, and that the mental health symptoms we were seeing were occurring after only a few weeks of detention, which were supposedly detention just, you know, in place to process them, which obviously was really not what was happening. And so even short periods of time, as Dr. Dreyer mentioned, really lead, you know, was leading to serious distress and depression. Uh, and I'll stop there. Great. Thank you so much, Alan. Uh, so this is Olga and um just to sort of sum it up, I, I think we heard very eloquently from Daniela about how her, her child suffered while they were detained at Burks with those physical health problems, weight loss, not even having access to medications that were prescribed by a doctor, her feelings of depression, which were very, um, you know, clearly and visually reflected in the drawings that she made of a, a house with no doors and, and bars on windows. Um, we've also heard from uh, Dr. Shapiro about, um, you know, the, the apparent great need for people to, to have some kind of way to express themselves, and, uh, which was evident in our group meeting, and the fact that the facility didn't seem to be able to provide any kind of therapy that was really accessible um, and useful for, for um, the families who were detained there, the lack of the sort of standard mental health screenings, um, and simply the fact that even under a, what I think we can call a relatively short period, relatively because the families were detained for so much longer some months ago, 
um, the distress that it causes is very apparent. Um, and as Dr. Dreyer said, it's, it's questionable even if perhaps some fixes were made whether or not Homeland Security and ICE uh, is really capable of providing appropriate care to children that it's holding in detention. And finally, I'll just add from, a, from our perspective at Human Rights First, from a policy perspective, none of this is necessary. Detention is, is not necessary. Um, as we talk about in our report, community-based programs have been piloted very successfully by the Catholic groups and the Lutheran groups. Um, people do show up to their court proceedings. Um, and community-based programs are also, to the extent necessary for certain families, able to provide other services such as housing or, or social services. And all of this comes at a much smaller, a much lower cost. Um, so with that, we're very happy to turn it over to questions. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. That's star and the number 1. We have no questions in queue at this time. May I ask how many folks are on the call? We'll get a call list after the call and I'll pass oh. that around. If, if there are no other questions, Olga, we can probably go ahead and end the call. There are no questions in queue. Okay, great. All right, well thank you. Thank you so much to everyone, um, to Dr. Dreyer, to Dr. Shapiro for your expertise, um, for taking the time to be with yeah. us today. So, yeah, this is um, Dr. Dreyer again. I would just like to sort of end, uh, or, or if there are people uh, still on the call uh, other than us, to say that the big message here is that children and families should not be detained. Yes, we want improvements in the care they're getting while detained, but in fact, a lot of their symptoms is due to being detained. So what really needs to be done is not to detain them. As you've heard, there are many other solutions. These are not dangerous people. These are you know, mothers and young children, or, and, uh, and they don't belong in prison. Great. Thanks so much, Dr. Dreyer. Um, and I'd also like to thank Daniela Daniela, muchas gracias por, eh, por su tiempo, por hablar con nosotros, por hablar de su experiencia y por dar sus observaciones y reflexiones sobre la experiencia. Okay, gracias. So I think with that we, we will end. Um, and I know Corinne will have a recording of this and we'll also have a list of the uh, press who participated. Yep, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Okay, thank Thanks, you. everyone. That concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect your line. Okay.